I've got docs, bro. So, you know, we're going to have a good one today. I think you're going to like it. I was pleasantly surprised by it. So we'll get into I've that. I've got docs, bro. I got docs. I'm like, I got like good. a trench coat open with like the docs, like all the DVDs hanging. Dude, I feel like if you if you need a you need to make a personalized logo for yourself for Dave's Docs. That's which not a is bad you idea. Doing exactly that, holding open some sort of trench coat. With yeah, the like the docs like in there. coming to America DVDs, when he's he's boot, got all the like watches DVDs. and stuff. Yeah, exactly. All right, man, whatever. Let's just freaking do this Let's thing. Get into holy, it. holy bajolies. This is Gearbuds Podcast, episode 141. It's a palindrome. You know, those are special episodes mm-hmm. around here. I'm Henry. That's Dave. What's up? And this is our show. Uh, the timing might not have been as good as usual on that one, friends. And it might sound a little different because guess what? We're back to recording in separate spaces. Yep. Gonna we're gonna dive right into the symphony right here and just correct whatever you think is going on with the truth because uh, Dave and I we're not in the same room anymore and that's because Dave got the Rona. I've got the Rona. I've got the Rona Shit, and I man. and I got a I got a nasty dose, man. I'm not feeling good. Like everyone else is like, oh, it's a it's a head cold. You'll be fine. And like I'm I've I've been sick for like four days. Um, so. Thank you for your wishes and blessings. Happy New Year to all. I hope you all are staying uh, vaccinated and safe and healthy. Um, but breakthrough cases happen, and I've got one, and uh, my wife and I are both very sick. So uh, thank you, and uh, we're going to get on with it, though, because we're going to do it for you yeah, guys man. today. You're in our you're in our gearbud head, heads and thoughts and brains and wishes and all that stuff and 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 yeah and and it's and it fucking sucks, dude. You know it's it's the reality of the situation right now. Even even those of us that choose to get vaccinated and it's still there are still breakthrough cases. So it, that supposedly they say that it, it makes it better. So maybe you know we can be thankful yeah. that you are vaccinated and that that uh, has made it maybe not as bad as it could have been. Yeah, for you. dude. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely not on my way to the hospital or anything like that, but it's, uh, you know, God bless people who are uh, helping people out there and all that stuff. And, um, no, it's just a lot of rest and, and, you know, a lot of over the counter medication as well. So I'm, I'm a little high on, on whatever, whatever they get sold me at yeah. CVS <laughs> right now. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever they, well, Hey, at least dispensaries are illegal too. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I you, haven't you smoked. I really, than that state. I really, you, you know, get you some edibles drip buddy. That drop, was the thing, man. And now I don't want to leave. So I'm like, maybe I got to get a, like a, have one of my buddies run and get me some edibles or something. But yeah, it's kind of a funny thing where, uh, I, I haven't smoked in like four days and we don't really talk about smoking that much on here. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. I think our audience knows we get a little stoned here and there, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm perma stoned on the show and I feel like I talked about it all the time. There was a couple yeah. months I took off there, but, yeah. uh, you know, I'm back on, I'm back off that wagon. I was tempted last night cause I was feeling so good. And then I'm, I'm glad I didn't cause I, I woke up feeling like shit again this morning. So it totally. comes in, comes in cycles, but yeah, but that's enough Rona talk, but I, I appreciate your thoughts and yeah. prayers and happy new year for to sure. everybody. We love you, buddy, and and you Thank know you. as soon as we can do that for you folks, we'll be back in a room, fucking coughing yep. all over each other Damn like right. we used to, and uh, and you know what? And Dave and I were talking about it, and it's and it's interesting, even just like still send just sending each other the, those gear links and all that stuff. It just it still makes you feel better, even when you're sick. So yeah, feel, man, feel feel free to send them to us and send them to your friends, even if you're even if you're not feeling so great right Please now. Please do keep them coming. We're gonna we're gonna try to have as as usual of an episode here. I'm gonna the it's funny to see Dave in the in the outline. I can see in the Google Doc <laughs> that Dave's back in there. But we're gonna see what ha- we're gonna keep it light. We're gonna yeah. keep it short. You know, no no need to get crazy. But again, happy New Year to all you folks. Uh, if you're if you're uh, celebrating that sort of thing, hopefully you uh, 
you have the year that you want to have in gear things in all things i would say uh, let's just do the symphony here's your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes thank you listener who is enjoying the new year for listening to this follow us on instagram and facebook as a way to celebrate new year subscribe spotify apple if you want to email us to talk about anything we love when you folks reach out it makes us feel great as we just said gearbudspodcast at gmail.com we've got an email address so you can use that uh we want to shout out to people who reach out which is a little Old new, new old tag because we just name we name everything around here, yeah. don't we? We can't keep uh, up with all sh- the things, all the sub segments that we name, but I love it. Oh, exactly. Got to give a shout out to our buddy Job Handsome Johnny because he reminded us via, I believe, Instagram that uh, in the movie Back to the Beach, which uh, quotes by him still rules, and I, I have, have to agree, that. dude. It's I love that movie. It's it's a it's called Back to the Beach. It's Annette Funicello in uh, what's his name, Ricky. Uh, I don't know. Oh, is that famous? Like one of the, fam- really old. They used to make thing? famous beach movies, and then and it's and it's called Back to the Beach because I think in like the late '80s, early '90s, they made a new one with ah. um, Frankie and Annette, and uh, and it's awesome because there's like a punk band and stuff. But then there's also a scene in the movie where in the background, Dick Dale and Stevie Ray Vaughan are playing Pipeline together, and no they way. just like barely acknowledge it uh what? but yeah dude you gotta you gotta go that should that needs to be on your rona list watch oh, back that's to the beach, dude, yeah for sure it, that movie that movie rules it's going in fuck yeah uh here we go here you know i feel like it's time to add another sub sub segment <laughs> if you're with me uh and and frankly we can just call this one gear buds because it's about gear uh in the in the auto world right and i just wanted to say that i i realized recently that we missed a big one in the in the whole get talking guitars and 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 cars thing. Okay, uh, however many episodes Couple ago episodes, that was, which yeah. you should go back and listen to if you haven't yet. Uh, but dude, Ingve Malmsteen is a huge, huge Ferrari guy. Wow! Like I had no idea. To the and I and I knew this, and I've got to I got to admit I just forgot. Uh, to the point that in like all of his albums, he thanks Enzo Ferrari for inspiration, <laughs> like in the liner notes. Wow. Uh, he, <clears throat> I, I looked it up there. There are not, I, I couldn't find anything super hard and fast specific about what his collection's like right now. He's owned a lot of cars throughout the years, but it looks like he currently has five Ferraris. Um, and I, I looked into, uh, there was a, I read an interview with him recently where they talked about a little bit, they touched on it and they go, which Ferrari is your favorite? And he goes, the red one. And he, all <laughs> They're all, all five of his Ferraris are red. Dude. Of course. Yeah. yeah. That's a great answer. Uh, there's, there are, I couldn't find confirmation. I, I saw a couple things mentioned that he might have a GTO 250, you know, the, no. like, the Nick Mason. Uh, that's one like, that, you know, I would have sold. to say that's probably my favorite model of all time. I think it's so beautiful. It's amazing, dude. Uh, apparently, also a three twenty eight, maybe a three oh eight. Uh, but oh, this is, I, I had to mention this to you. I went deep, deep onto a Ferrari message board to try to find some answers about some of these things, and it took only maybe twenty comments until a guitarist chimed in and made it about themselves. Ah, no shit. Of course. Yeah, dude. Of course. I. It was just like this is perfect. It was like you know, sort of good response. It was like, oh yeah, I knew he. He's a great guitarist. And then a couple people were like, oh, I've never heard of him. What's his deal? And then a guitarist had to be like, bar bar bar. Yeah. Uh, what are you, talking you know, about? he's he's Ingve, but you know, he's not very musical. He's just technically proficient, like I am. And these other guitarists that I they love, got lost like, and dude, thought they were on like a everywhere. different forum or something like that. 
Yeah, it's not the freaking gear page. I guess it was a gear page, but a different kind oh, of gear page. Right, right. That's yeah, that's great. Well, it is interesting because we were talking about the difference between like car forums and you know, uh, um, music forums or instrument. You know, people who play you know bass forums or guitar forums and stuff, and two different types of people sometimes. So sometimes they cross worlds. You know, it was it was very funny to see the first time I looked for it to find just like that. There, the guy it, he was there twenty comments in. Uh, <laughs> I saw Speaking it of following up on stuff, dude, I don't know if we've talked about this ever in the context of this show or frankly ever in general, but uh, I wanted to say, I mean, we talk about the crossover between movies and gear mm-hmm. a lot in this show. Sure. And I saw a thing recently about the guitar, the Doof Warrior guitar in the movie Mad Max Fury Road. Are you a fan of that movie, Dave? Yeah, I actually... Um I, I, I loved it. Like when I first watched it, I watched it very intently. And then I realized it's a really fun movie to throw on with a group of buds and drink some beers and just kind of have it on in the background too. Like it's a, it's a yeah. good movie all around. Um, but I love, love the parties, like the, uh, the crazy uh, guitar player guy. I mean, he's, he's my favorite. He's called Doof Warrior for, that, for those did not know that. that didn't know. And dude, so I, I watched a thing recently, or actually I should say I read a long article, which led me then to watch some things about... That I was just curious how they did all of that with actually like making the music part of it, mm-hmm. filming it, creating the guitar. Sure, there's a, there's a lot of content out there. If, if for the folks that are interested, I pulled out a couple facts about it that I just wanted to share with you and and our listeners, Dave, okay. that I thought were interesting. First right. of all, so let's talk about the music part of it, like what you actually hear. Which I, spoiler isn't what they filmed. They tried yeah. filming it live, where he was like playing shit live and then making that be the sound. And then I was just like, no, I would it's assume fucking with the, insane with the engines and everything that would have been like almost impossible to do, right? Yeah, and, and the fact that you're recording audio while also driving very fast, like you know, it's not like you're like stationary, so you've yeah. got to figure out how to like have whatever. Anyways, <laughs> that yeah. obviously didn't work. So those are separate things. But here, here, first of all, and Dave, I wish we were in the same room where I could share this with you, so you could see how smug I look right now because uh, the tuning <laughs> that they that they did it in the first four notes, CGCG. Yeah. So yep. uh, the guitar is, is six. It's a that's my tuning for the folks that don't know, but it's so I do C G C G C D. This was C G C G B E. Yeah. But let's be honest, those riffs, those are all just the bottom strings, anyways. Of course, yeah. Uh, so for the recording, it was done by the uh, Junkie XL. He's he's a famous producer and does uh, the soundtracks for a ton of movies and stuff that oh. everyone loves. Uh, I can't remember his real name off the top of my head. He's like transitioned into just being being called that. Um, crazy studio he actually sold he had the craziest synth studio in the world basically and then oh, wow. recently sold off a bunch of it uh but he also does guitar shit obviously as we're about to talk about so there the sound that you hear for the doof warrior in that movie and wow we've gone like on a very wide long deep tangent on this but that's no i think it's goes. really i actually knew nothing about this i kind of just thought it was you kind of watch the movie and you're like oh they just slapped that together but obviously there's thought behind all of it you know? Ton- tons of thought so the the guitars that you hear are mostly a 74 SG wow, and a 2012 Les Paul Studio, which I believe the Les Paul was in Silver Burst. So they overlapped uh, the uh, the tracks on that then just to make it like they that did, yeah. sound? Okay. Yep. He had them both in that tuning through mostly a Thunderverb uh, 200 cool. uh, orange head with a full tone to distortion pedal like cranked. Wow. Uh, and that was pretty, that's pretty much the sound. 
Uh, but check this out. So the uh, I thought this was awesome as as the Dodfather because the the <laughs> guitar that they use to film the movie, right? Like that they it shoots flames out and does all that kind of shit. Yeah. Which he actually What's the that deal? was connected to a whammy bar, uh, like like a which they made out of a motorcycle uh, kickstand. Oh, but the cool. whammy bar controlled the flame shooting out. But so there, if you look closely, there it's a bass and a guitar. There's like, it, and it actually did play. Like the first one that they made, there was an artist that made it and it didn't play. And then they had to bring someone else in to be like, uh, make this a real playing guitar. Wow. So they got like, they basically found a cheap, they bought a cheap double neck that they might've, they assumed might've been able to be found in like a, any kind of, you know, we're in this dystopian future. They wanted it to be real realistic. So it's like, what might they have been able to find in a dump? So it was like a cheap yeah. double neck guitar, took the necks from those, made it a bass and guitar that he could play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on the body of, if you look closely, you can see it on the body of the guitar itself. There's a pedal. Cause it's like, Oh, he probably would have been able to get like a distortion pedal to make it sound crazy. Plus he's stuff. moving around. So he can't use his feet. Really. He's kind of like, he's bouncing around on those, on those bungee cords and stuff. Right. Yeah, man. And in a in a leather pouch, you can see the four knobs peeking out of a Digitech Hardwire valve distortion. No way! The Dodfather <laughs> f- coming through in Mad Max. Man. You got to get that one, man. You don't have that one, right? I oh, I don't. And I didn't. Even, I forgot, dude. I was gonna bring this up to you. Some of those Hardwire pedals right now mm-hmm. have gotten insanely expensive. Really? The the stereo reverb. Yeah. Uh, you know which was probably i would say maybe 150 bucks when it was new and you know these pedals you could they were just like giving them away for a while that pedal on reverb the cheapest one is like 400 bucks i've heard that on ebay they're going for like in the thousands now no shit a digitech hardwire freaking reverb dude dude digitech man taking off on the secondary market that's wild dodfather's offspring is uh (laughs) That happened since we did the Dodfather episode, I'm pretty sure, right? Or Oh, 100 We got to take some baby. credit on that one, man. Come on. As always, un- <laughs> un- undo credit. That's what we do around here. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I just want I mean, I feel like th- this is the, if we're going to share stuff like that, here's a place to do it. Uh, dude, oh, man, this is something else uh, that we've talked about before, and I didn't, I miss this. This happened earlier this year, uh, but basically we've and and you and i've even updated each other on this a lot recently because we talked about that pv decade that josh tommy used and like revealed was his thing yeah there's memes about that now it's great it's become this whole uh, way bigger than i even realized situation because everyone of course is obsessed with how good the bass sounds on no one knows because it sounds freaking awesome yeah and to have that revealed to have been mostly it, it was a number of things, but mostly them running a base through one of those little old PVs. The price has, as one might guess, skyrocketed. Right. Uh, I didn't know this, but I read an article. Okay, so Saint, I'm burying the lead here. St. Vincent, Annie Clark, basically also learned this and was like, I want that sound. And then recruited her gear guru, uh, this guy, Jason Moser, who I tried Googling and couldn't really come up with much information other than, than his LinkedIn. And okay. I didn't want to click, out, click on the LinkedIn because they can see that when that yep. happens. And then I feel <laughs> fucking creepy. She had him take that amp, figure out what the schematic was, and then put that freaking thing into a pedal. And she has oh the my only God. PV decade pedal. It's all. It's just hers. They made one for just her. That's right. That's got to come out. That's so cool. <sighs> I want it. I wanted to so bad. At le- at, le- at the very least, I mean, if he did it, that means that the schematic for the amp is out there. So you know, anybody with some knowledge could do it too. Sure, sure. But since he's done the hard work to already create the schematic that fits into the freaking size of a pedal, let's just share that with the world, folks. Yeah, yeah. 
It's so funny to me that this the decade thing has really come out. I mean, even since that video a few weeks ago of them playing at like a birthday party or they were at some right. you know, with Taylor Hawkins and all that. And you yeah. can see you can see the the amp in the background. It's a little amp. It's not even like um like I would say my guitar practice amp is is bigger than that, you know? It's like Yeah, it's just it, dude, it is a practice amp. That's what it is. Yeah. Um but I mean, I remember watching one on, I think I sent it to you on eBay and I was like, I'm going to see what this thing goes for. And it actually didn't go that bad. I think it went for like, what was it? I think it was like 450. But now, but that was right when that video came out because it reminded me of that whole situation with his amp. And we had talked about it a few episodes before that. Um, and now I feel That's like still hilarious that dude, because that is, I mean, that is an order of magnitude. That amp would have been $45 oh, maybe in a pawn shop. Less. Yeah, absolutely, right. dude. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and is it, is it solid state or is it tube? I forget. I it's solid. It's, oh, it's solid state for yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's not even the tube. Wow. That's what a good idea though, to put that in a pedal. I love that. Cause then mm-hmm. you can really crank that sound through whatever rig you want. I, yeah. I think that's, that's right damn dude go direct with it maybe maybe throw it into a cab sim i mean you know the world's your oyster but we don't have that option because only saint freaking vincent who is the coolest ever yeah decided to just do another that. reason why she's so fucking cool man that's that's just such a cool idea i love that so if annie or jason you're listening feel free to feel free to hit up your boys and send <laughs> yeah. us some freaking pedals because we want to play it uh want it dude oh also are you you know a lot more about country in that sort of world than i do in general not bit. that you're like some huge expert but you definitely know a bit more than i do the older and stuff, i sure. watched well do you do you know a sleep at the wheel mm, or I'd ray benson hear, no i don't i mean i'd have to hear it maybe but no that's not one of the ones i'm familiar with is he is he a newer or older He's an older dude. Mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing it seems like he's been around for a, at least decades at okay. this point. So anyways, I, he had a, a premier guitar rig rundown come out recently. And I was cool. like, I don't know who that is. I'm going to click it and just leave this on in the background while I'm doing other stuff. And I sort of started coming in and out. And then I started coming in when I noticed that at a certain point he plays a telly, but he's a big dude. And I didn't notice it, but he has a custom telly made for him by Fender. Oh, and I don't, I don't think it's a signature model that like we can buy. They, I think they just made just it for him. Just a one-off, huh? Yeah. And and so what it is, Tim Shaw comes out, and and you know I'm sure you and our listeners recognize him. He's yeah, Fender's heard. chief engineer, mm-hmm. and he makes the Shawbuckers, quote unquote. He he makes all their you know engineers their pickups and and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. <clears throat> so he he was actually at the show, and he comes out, and he's part of this rig rundown. And he's talking and stuff. And they're talking about this larger body telly. And the reason that I'm sharing this with you is because this I feel like this is a pretty interesting fact. So we've talked a lot about the Acoustasonic stuff recently yeah, and the Acoustasonic telly. Very popular right now. Very popular to the point that I'm probably going to I <laughs> could see myself winding up with one. Dude, we're like four or five or episodes less. in of you talking like pretty hardcore about getting one now. So, you know. Quit, quit tickling <sighs> me around, you know, messing around. Thank you for pointing that out for me so that when I eventually just buckle and pull the trigger i can point back to this and be like see i had to do it for the show <laughs> well dude check it out the it turns out that the genesis of that body so they made this guitar for ray benson it was just it's just a telly with larger body that you know they figured out a way to do that that doesn't look weird essentially mm-hmm. and and then so that they, they made this uh acoustasonic they or they're like oh we're gonna make this acoustasonic telly it, the body's going to have to be bigger because it's, you know, you have to sort of accommodate the inner workings of the sound hole and all that shit that's going on. Okay. Oh, guess what? We've already designed a larger body telly for Ray Benson. We're just going to use that exact exact template that we use for that guitar. And right. that, so now that template for the acoustic sonic telly body came from the Ray Benson telly. Oh, no kidding. 
Wow, that's for so anybody cool. who who wants to know where the where the body design of the the schematic of that acoustic tele came from. Well, yeah, it's, there it is, Ray Benson. We've, we've talked about that a lot. Where you know they have te- you know they have it basically drawn out on paper or CAD or whatever it is, but it's like they're not going to just recreate. It's kind of like when we were talking about the Jag Sting. You know, we're like they created a brand new body shape for that guitar. Where you know, obviously, to cut some costs, you, you're going to want to recycle some some body shapes if you can. Um, Dude, you're totally right. Yeah, so it looks like that's what they did there. Yeah, that's so. Dude, cool. that you're. Oh my god, you nailed it. That's what we need. The mm. freaking acoustasonic Jagstang. <laughs> looks so weird. I mean, I think the Jaguar the grossest, the, lowest selling by far, or highest selling. I guess it could go either way. Well, it, you know how it has like that big butt. That's where you should put the sound hole, like all the way in the back. <laughs> big butt. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it looks like a like a insect or something almost. You know. Um, that guitar does not skip squat day. No. Mm-mm. Uh, and it, neither does the acoustic sonic telly, it turns out, because it's got a big old booty on it, but nothing like a Jagstang. Wait, That's what did, we should, uh, in my mind, from now on, if I ever see a, a man or a woman, frankly, with a big booty out in public, in my mind, I'd be like, oh, check out that Jagstang. Look at that Jagstang over there. I, wait, did we talk about what uh, acoustic sonic you were thinking about if you were going to purchase one? Would you get the, the Jazzmaster one? Or the we did talk about it, and I would def go telly. Okay, all right, just just double checking because you know the weeks yeah. have gone by, and you know tastes change. No, that that's, you're, that's actually a you're. I am a fart in the wind when it comes to that sort of thing. <laughs> you are one hundred percent right about that. I got to keep but up on no, this. I the telly, yeah, especially once I learned now that I, in fact, I, this is that's a good point. It sort of galvanized it for me when I learned that it is a larger body than usual. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've played them and so I felt comfortable with it. I knew that already, but I didn't I didn't know exactly that that it was definitely this larger body. You know, I thought it maybe might have just been my sort of brain playing tricks on me. So mm-hmm. once I learned that, I was like, okay, this is the one for Confirmed. me for sure. Yeah confirmed that, well that's great i mean that also is like this is why i have a podcast talking about guitars because i notice little things like that and uh these things are true so that's great fucking hey buddy uh, let's keep it going in the symphony here uh i just wanted to briefly mention that uh, I, you know i think we, we, we t- we'd mentioned it before but wanted to remind folks that nam in person has been canceled for this year They've, they're already talking about uh next year's mm. uh, and, uh kick, kicking off in 2023 but mm. uh they're doing virtual so uh, <clears throat> as of Jan- I think I believe it starts, let's see. Oh, yeah. L- the live portion of NAM this year that's happening virtually is happening January 20th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a few weeks from when this comes out. And it will be a, a mix of comprehensive programming and professional education uh, oh. that can be found at believeinmusic.tv. Uh, there's also a whole bunch of brand and gear stuff that's going to be on the site and being announced during this time. So uh, you can actually now go ahead and register to take part in that, which I have done as well. If you go to attend.believeinmusic.tv, uh, that stuff will all be happening on January 20th. And then it will be available, select content will be available on demand Friday, January 21st through Sunday the 23rd. So it's only going to be online for a limited time, Dave. Wow. Okay, well, that's pretty cool. I mean, at least they'll have some time to kind of edit some some clips together and kind of put something together for us. So I, I'd like to watch that. Yeah, I'll, I will be definitely trying to check out as much as I can live. There's there's a lot of cool stuff that they do with these things. I watched some of it last year too. So go ahead and register. It'll be good for uh, good good for you, good for me, good for the gear world. And uh, there's oh, you know what? There's a we've got a late 
Christmas present for everybody. We can call Whoa. it a Boxing Day president. All right. Because Acoustica Audio put out a pretty cool free plugin called Eminence, which is basically a channel strip with a bunch of cool stuff in it uh, in a vintage way. It's all modeled on Abbey Road EMI sort of proprietary EQs and, and stuff going on in the preamp section, which is dope to give your tone some mojo and then there's also um some a couple different co- uh, compressors that you can use I, I think based on some american universal audio stuff is that brought and to then, us by uh, that's not brought to us like in you know uh with the eminence speaker company at all or is that just like i know is th- that's th- what they named th- it no that confused me too it's okay. it's called eminence because it comes from emi so they just gotcha. threw emi at the front of it cool. eminence you know whatever uh, and then, uh, yeah, the, the plugin uh, also has a preamp section. I think I sort of mentioned that has the preamp stages from all three units that comprise this powerful plugin. So Sweet. go check it out. It's free, acoustica-audio.com. Uh, they've got that stuff there. And it uh, I downloaded it, haven't used it because that's what happens around this time. You get a bunch <laughs> of free freaking plugins and then you don't get the time to try them out yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, dude, the last thing I want to mention in the symphony here. <clears throat> It's something that we sort of touched on a little bit, you and I, and just in our in our texty thread earlier this week, and then I did a little bit more research about it because I just had to know, and that is this world of sort of sometimes contactless, sometimes contactful uh, drumming products where you strap some stuff to some drumsticks and then yeah. you play along sort of like uh, air drum style. Yeah, you sent me that, and I'm very curious about what that's all about. Yeah, so we've got to start with the obvious here, Dave, and that's the fact that the name of this, the the thing that I <laughs> that even hipped me to this was is such that I I was afraid to I look I when I looked it up I used a private browser okay mm-hmm. yeah we'll put it that way because I didn't want this I didn't want this affecting my advertising habits in the future. Sure. So uh, and I'm sorry. Listen, like. Uh, I, I'm gonna. I think that your product is pretty good, but I'm. I, I'm sorry if I'm about to dump on your name. And, and look, it's just. It's called Senstroke. Yeah. And that just really. I mean, I don't even need to. I don't have to say what that sounds like. Senstroke like sensors. What this product actually is. Yeah. It's Senstroke uh, sensors for drumming. Yeah. Uh, especially when you look at the logo, which can best be described as sensual, sexy. Yeah. It's. Uh, they chose a very sexy typeface. Maybe that's their thing. Maybe that's what they're going for here. I mean, who knows? You know. When I when you hear these next couple of facts, it's almost impossible to believe that it's not what they're going for, Dave. Because <laughs> on on the packaging, I looked at it uh-huh. and it literally. I'm going to tell you some of the things it says on there. Uh, the ultimate box oh. definitely says that right on there. Okay, uh, talks about launching the Sendstroke app, mm-hmm. so you can set up your virtualized kit and rock out. Mm. Um, when you look at that red, you can it. Yeah, there yeah. Are, there are very easy illusions one can jump across to. Uh, I don't know, man. It's it's just the way that is named and and, and marketed is yeah. very confusing to me. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, rock and roll and sex have always been you know hand in hand, but uh, this is just hand a strange hand. Good choice of words. Thank you. Uh, this is just a strange a strange thing to market a product that it doesn't it doesn't exactly explain what the hell we're what we're marketing here as far as right so here i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna do them a favor and there's a couple companies that make sort of competing things right now and i'm gonna tell you about two of them okay Okay. so there's a company called reticent and they make sunstroke which i just i still i'm not adult enough to even say that word without so reticent is the is the actual company that that creates this product 
It seems well. I, it seems like it because it's this. The, all this information can be found on Redison.com. Okay. Got it. So there, there, there are two. There are two products. There's the Senstroke, and then there's the Free Drum. Mm-hmm. So Senstroke basically works by it, it. It comes with the sticks, but it seems like you can strap them to any stick. These sensors that go onto your sticks, sort of about halfway down, and then a couple more sensors that go onto your piggies, mm-hmm. and you strap these things to your feet. And this is basically how both of them work. Oh, it has foot pedal things too? That's cool. It has foot pedal things too. And so they both connect to your phone via via Bluetooth. I think they both can do – they've got like computer apps too as well. And the, they're different in that the sense stroke <coughs> requires you to basically make contact with something. You can either play – I've seen videos of people just like playing on the box that it comes in sure. setting up like uh, drum pads to have them sort of like in a more normal space but okay. you know playing on on your bed some pillows, yeah, some pillows whatever or something sure and you kind of calibrate it to let the app know where these things are and then you play and it knows like oh when you're hitting over here it's the ride symbol when you're you're hitting over here it's a snare etc ah, and then your okay. feet are doing the kick in the and the uh and the hi-hat or double kick i guess as it were and then so that one you have to hit stuff. Then there's again. I mentioned this other one called Free Drum, which mm-hmm. can be found at freedrum.rocks, which is just a great URL. Uh, <laughs> and this that one is the same idea. You've got shit strapped to your feet on your down on your little piggies. You've got shit strapped to some sticks that you're banging around. But the with these, you're air drumming. You're not okay. actually making contact with anything. Okay. And and those are sort of they have packages that both cost in the like between. 150 to 250 dollar range you know depending on what comes in the box and that sort of thing so i think it kind of comes and i've tried neither of these but it kind of seems like it comes down to whether you would prefer to be able to have to hit stuff with your drumsticks or to be able to play with air drumming yeah i mean i think first of all i'm kind of jealous these are pretty cool ideas and if i was a drummer i'd be all over it if you you know if you live in an apartment you don't have v drums um i don't know the price point on these but uh do you know yeah, it's like the packages are between about 150, 250 bucks, okay. depending on so what comes in the box. So cheaper than like a cheaper than like a, a a good you know V drum kit or a decent V drum kit. Um, oh, definitely way yeah. cheaper than that. But also more portable and dude, it's such a cool thing. I mean, you could be you know taking the train home for Christmas or something and just sitting on the air drums. You probably bother the shit out of people. Like, but uh, you know, I think if you weren't, I think it's great. I mean, depending on how responsive the triggers are for when you actually you know move the sticks and everything and if this is technology that's going to get better and better over the years it could be really cool for people who just want to practice in a green room or or whatever so um yeah i love it dude. Dude, that's a good point you've made you have made some you have made some very strong points and i in general and we'll come we'll get to why but i kind of was feeling like i might enjoy the send stroke ones where you have to like hit stuff a little more yeah but you saying the thing about being able to play in public makes me that's a huge selling point i would say for the free drum which Mm -hmm. i hadn't even thought of myself that is i i dude i totally that's a really good call you could be rocking out in the back of mom and dad's minivan or something like that you know going down to florida you got a 20 20 hour road trip ahead you know you might as well dude if you've got the leg space fuck yeah man oh my god that's such a good idea Um, i love that i love it man i mean so you know we've talked about it before probably i bet over a year ago it might have been one of our like you know last year's christmas episode or something but we were talking about uh the hit sticks i think they were hit sticks man totally I, i had hit sticks i think you had hit sticks too didn't you and no, I've never had them. Oh, okay. I, I've played, I've tried them, but, but I've never had. I them. mean, so think of that technology. That was like '80s, you know, basically analog, right. you know, bullshit technology. Um, 
you know, kind of a synth technology with some sort of sensor inside. I remember mine broke in half, like where the where the sensor part of the stick meets the handle part. It just like snapped in half one day and we couldn't use them anymore. Crack. But, you know, uh, this is like a really cool advanced version of that. So I, I think it's great, man. If I was a drummer, I would absolutely be a cool, like, you know, a little gift for Christmas or something. Or a, uh, I'm sorry, I got Christmas on the brain right now. But, uh, you know, it's just like uh, I think I think it's fucking awesome. I wish there was kind of like an air guitar type thing you know, that we could use where you didn't have to have your guitar, you know, if you were traveling, you know, it'd be really cool. Dude, that's a good, yeah, I agree with that. All, all very solid points. I'm selling it, man. I'm telling Rona you. Rona Dave, you're doing a good Hit job. Hit me up, today. Sunstroke. Send me some Sunstroke. I, I want to try both of them. I watched some videos, <clears throat> uh, there aren't that many, but I watched a couple of videos sort of people comparing them and mm-hmm. talking about them and everything. And the thing for me I, that I kind of noticed is that I, I, I think I would probably get along with the send stroke more, mostly because of the name, but also because that's the one where you have to hit stuff. And yeah. one of the things about playing drums is is that it's like the contact. Half of, half of it is the rebound. Yep. Like how you use the sort of bouncing up and down yep. and, and sort of and sort of that thing. So I think I would get along with send stroke a little more just because then I could actually like play on the drum pad that I have already and sort of um, and get a little bit more of that drum feel. I think that, but to your point, and, and that's why I was kind of in my head, I was down on the free drum and it turns out that there's now a free drum version too. So they've now even updated the technology and, and improved it. So I'm guessing that even that's going to be even a lot better than the other one yeah. uh, originally was, but I hadn't <clears throat> really come up with too many strong points for that over the send stroke until you said the, the playing in public thing, because yeah. it would be super fucking annoying to be banging drumsticks in public. I would never do that shit unless like you oh, said, you're yeah. in like the green room or like in a, in a situation where you can actually warm up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But if you can do it quietly and like, you know, yes. in the back of a, a tour bus or something like that, or a van, you know, and you guys are on tour and like, you could just kind of keep up silent right that i mean that would be i mean i i wonder does that do the uh free drum ones have a foot thing too or is it just they do okay yeah yeah. they do and i'm gonna take it a step further man you're gonna like this what if you know they start combining this technology with like some of that oculus technology where you know um have you tried the new oculus stuff i've used different vr headsets i haven't tried the new whatever the oculus quest 2 i tried some of uh uh, my cousins over thanksgiving and it, it was like you get to you it carves out a space like before you start the game so you know it knows where you are in the room so there's no reason you couldn't carve out a space virtually with like a headset and then have this like virtual drum set in front of you and see the toms and see all the snare and the hi-hat and everything i can i think that could be really really cool dude when you said that i'm gonna like this that was the understatement <laughs> of the, the year buddy because i'm a freaking love that oh my god that i want to do that so bad i want to play some freaking vr drums yeah with some real sticks in my hand you got the crowd go cheering to, in and, front and, of you and, man? and on your feet oh my god oh how fun would that be i i'm not i don't want to do anything else in the world until i get to do that well i bet they'll get there i, I hope it i hope it does well with sales and they keep their business going and i hope that uh they keep continuing to further their technology i think that'd be great heck yeah buddy well, actually, I, you know what? I just lied to you. I just said that there's nothing that I want to do in the world until I get to play some VR drums. Uh-huh. But there is actually one thing that I want to okay. do. Okay. And that, my friends, they say my two favorite words that I get to say every single week, which is Dave's Docs. Well, well, I'm Dave's let- Docs. I'm I'm so happy that you held a really long note for that because, you know, somebody who is known for holding the longest musical note in the world. Did you watch a Kenny G documentary? Is the Kenny G 
listening to Kenny G on HBO Max. I'm talking about Kenny oh G. Oh my god. Kenny Gorlick. That I am so freaking excited that you not only know his name is Kenny Gorlick, that you watched the documentary that I've been meaning to watch. Bro, so it's HBO Max. I know, you know what it is, like when these HBO Max ones come out, because I know we can both watch them, we should just both start watching them, but I did want to surprise you a little bit today with this one. Oh, I'm so happy you watched um, this one. I, I, you know what I watched instead? I was looking at that, but then I watched freaking Beanie Mania instead. What's Beanie Mania? Dude, Beanie Mania is the new HBO Max documentary about Beanie Babies. Oh my God, and no way. You're going to fucking die because the whole thing takes place in Naperville. Dude, that is so funny. Because yes. I was, okay, I was, real quick story, um, real quick tangent on Beanie Babies. I remember in like, I, were they, was it like the late 90s or something like that? Or like, I'm it was to, mid to late 90s. I, I had my driver's license. I was driving down the road in Naperville and there was a minivan. And the entire back uh, window had Beanie Babies in it. Like they had them on shelves and they were kind of all in the windows and the whole van was painted all crazy. And then on the back of the window, it said, um, you know, Beanie Babies for sale, call this number. Like it was during that craze. So some guy was driving around Naperville selling Beanie Babies. That van might even be in the dock. I don't know. But Dude, uh, you got, I'm not going to spoil anything. That. Add it to your list immediately. You've got a lot of time to watch yeah, stuff right now. Yeah. You're gonna fucking love it because it's gonna. You're gonna. You're gonna know. You're gonna know. It's yeah. It, oh my it, God. You gotta watch it. But anyways. Okay. T- enough of that because yeah. you are about to tell us about some Kenny Dude, G, and let's I'm very get to excited it, about that. All right. Uh, you know, I, and I don't. I can't talk too long because I'm one. I'm like kind of delirious right now. But I also totally. think that um, first of all, this is totally worth watching. I I didn't really care. My mom loved Kenny G when I was growing up. I think everybody's mom loved Kenny G. Maybe dad's too. I don't know. It turns out everybody loved Kenny G, man. Um, he has a way bigger fan base than I ever knew. And he's just a he's just a damn nice guy. He's just a really kind, sweet man. I, I don't know how else to put it. He's very likable and, and very mm-hmm. charming. And... Um, he he's great and it kind of it's it's kind of funny because it opens up there is an interesting part in the film right when it opens there's a quote where he says i never get to go anywhere without playing the sax which i thought was kind of sad in a way because he's like you know people don't invite me to like just come hang out it's always like for some event where i have to like show up and play the sax dude but, I, I i we're gonna have to we're, I, we're gonna put a pin in that exact thought because yeah. i have a story okay let's cool. carry on okay great is it a kenny g story Yes. Oh, my God. All right. Please don't let me forget because I'll probably forget to come back to it. Yes. Um, obviously, I mean, if you don't know who Kenny G is, he's probably one of the greatest sax players in history. Um, and he shreds, man. I mean, they show him running scales like just he just does it effortlessly, you know, seriously. And, and the reason I chose to watch this actually, well, one, a friend of mine who's not a musician He's, a, he's into music a little bit, but um, I wouldn't say he's like a really big musical guy. He watched it just because it was a doc on HBO. And he's like, and he, he texted me and was like, dude, for Dave's docs, you should watch the Kenny G one. He's like, it's fucking awesome. And I was like, I don't know, man. You know, I'll watch it. You know, I'm just being nice. And then I ended up mm-hmm. watching it. And I realized what I really like to do is I like watching anybody who excels at what they do ever. So I don't care if you're like, yes. You know, I don't care if you're like the best, you know, martial artist in the world or the best at like building log cabins. If you're the best in the world or one of the best, it's it's so interesting to me is like how you got there and what you did. And his story was really cool because he never really studied music theory. He played in a high school jazz band in Seattle, um, the Franklin Jazz Lab, which the funkiest like you're talking like early 70s funky you know, kind of fusion-y jazz. You know, there's guitar cool. in there. There's drums. But there's also a big horn section, obviously. 
Um, so they show some clips from that and it's fantastic. Um, and then he was actually frustrated not having his own sound. Like he always wanted to sound like this guy. I believe his name was Grover Washington. He was like a famous jazz musician from, I think like the Motown era. And he was like, I, I, I'm so mad at myself because I can't get myself to sound like this guy. And through trying to sound like this guy, he ends up coming up with what is now his own sound. And mm. I mean, if you hear a Kenny G lick, you're like, that's Kenny G. Like there's almost no, there's no one else who really sounds like him in that world. Not that I could name that many other sax players, especially, you know, contemporary sax players, but um, he definitely has his own sound. So I thought it was cool that he never took, he, I, he probably took lessons. They didn't really talk about that, but he never really, he never really knew theory. He said he, t- he took the hour that he was supposed to be learning theory and he just practiced instead, which I, wow, I, I did not know that. Yeah. Excuse me. I'm just getting a little dry mouth over here. Um, Cause you gotta he was, stay hydrated, buddy. Yeah, man. It's just, you know, it's, we're, we're getting through it today. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really a cool thing where I kind of relate to that in a way. I never took theory that much. And, you know, you would think when you, when you go to a guy like that, he would just know, oh, you know, what's the fifth here? Like, what's that? He says what he'll do is he'll play every note in the scale until he finds the one that works for the part that he's writing. And I'm just like, what? And he's like, if it sounds good, then I know it's good. So he's got. And, I mean, he's been doing it for so long that now he can just go through those scale. Now he just knows it. To a certain yeah. point. But when he's writing parts, um, you know, that's there's that kind of thing. And then there's actually this really cool thing where he uh, it, this is uh, this is all current stuff, too. So it's like a, it's like um, they don't do a lot about his history. Um, they kind of talk about him coming up and all that and getting signed. Mm-hmm. But but it's him telling the story from from like today, you know, and he brings us down to his studio where he's got his producer down there. And he's showing, he's explaining it, you know, kind of for the layman, like, you know, this is the, this is what a track of my, you know, sax track looks like on, you know, Pro Tools or whatever. And then you start to see he's got it all chopped up. And you're like, wait. And he goes, a lot of people, a lot of jazz musicians would be like, you do one take, that's what you do. And that's jazz, right? Like, that's, that's like what you're supposed to do. And he, uh, he's like, I don't, he's like, I literally chop these up and I, if I don't hit the perfect part or I'm not happy with the note, I redo it. And you see this, this take, and it looks like something that I would have made, you know, writing a song in my, in my bedroom, just like, it's chopped to hell. It's crazy. And then obviously hey, different strokes serious. for different folks. Well, man. there's not, there's no, there's no, there's many ways to, yeah. I hate the skin a cat thing, but you know, there's a lot of ways to skin a jazz yeah. cat. <laughs> exactly, man. But, but I think, you know, there's a lot of people that'd be like, Oh, if you can't hit it in one take, you know, whatever I see yeah. it both ways, but I definitely see, he's like, I want it to be as beautiful and as perfect as I want it to be. He's very much in his own, like, if it's not good enough for me, oh, here's the, uh, yes, we're officially recording in my, Give it in to my me. living room. Yeah. All right. It wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a remote podcast without that going by anyways. Um, so that was fucking cool. Cause he's just like, I just want to do my own thing. I relate I also, to that deeply, buddy. I love hearing that. Yeah, I also really love... I won't get into like the history of it. There's like He gets signed by Clive Davis, which is really cool, and that's kind of where oh. he makes a bunch Dude, of Dude, there's albums. a Clive Davis doc. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, totally Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's some stuff like... I could tell you some names of some of the songs, but you'd have to hear it to like know it. You know what I mean? Like he's got this jam. I've got to be honest. In my head, at like uh, you know, I know I, I listen. I know Kenny G, what it sounds like, but in my head, I'm all I can hear is a not Kenny G... So, dude, that's yeah and that's uh george michael and when i well not him playing it but that's on the george michael track when i started the doc i looked over at manny and i was like does he do the lick that's like oh, hold on 
Nice. Dude, this is perfect. It's, I'm uh, very excited about this. Ambulance and fire truck. So they come in pairs, people. Um, anyways, yeah. So he didn't do that lick, which I, I was never really quite sure of, actually. It wouldn't have surprised me if he did. The other thing that I thought was really interesting about him was he, he said, anything I ever got good at, I got good at because I practiced. He said, hmm. um, did you know he's a, we were talking about golf and we've been talking about golf. He's like probably the best musician golfer in the world. He's actually no, won, I had no idea. Yeah, I didn't know that either. According to Golfer's Digest magazine, they nominated him the best golfer in music. And then they show him like swinging and like driving and stuff. It's unbelievable. I mean, he looks like a pro. And he said, all I did was just practice. And then I didn't know this. He was one of the first people who uh, first 10 people who ever invested in Starbucks coffee. Holy crap. Yeah. So he's probably doing okay. They show he's doing okay. And doesn't he hold the Guinness World Record for the longest held note? I believe so. You know, they didn't mention that in the movie, but they show him holding it and they show like he just likes to do that. And that's kind of his thing. He He does circular breathing. He does. And, you know, it's uh, he gets a lot of hate. And I want to get into that, too, a little bit because I want to kind of defend him a little bit Um, because we talked about Pat Metheny before on here and and that whole thing. Uh, Haven't we? I mean, we could we could bring it back up. I do like Pat Metheny, but he also uses a lot of chorus pedals, so it's hard for me. Pat Metheny brought a, Pat Metheny wrote an article about him, um, just trashing him, and it was in like the early oh, 2000s. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. And it, yeah, it, yeah. it was even before like it was on like forums, but it was even before like social media and stuff. And it might have been the late 90s. Um, but it really it basically what happened was um, Kenny G did a song with uh, Louis Armstrong. After Louis Armstrong passed, he did one. He did Wonderful World, and he did his own version of like playing the lead sax in between, you know, in between the vocals. And they have, okay. you know, they have uh, Louis Armstrong on the on the, um, you know, the big screen, like the old footage of him singing and everything. And the band is in the background, but you know, he's kind of playing. And he's, I'll be honest, he is kind of overplaying it. They play some clips, and he's he's definitely you know, he's definitely jerking off all over it. Getting you know? a little tooty on it. Yeah. Um, and I get it, but he's also doing his version of it. Cause that's kind of the way he plays. And he's kind of always that out front guy. And, um, and basically Pat Metheny wrote this article that was really, it gets a little over, it's over the top, especially at the end. Like he's, you know, he's kind of dissecting it as a jazz musician in the beginning. And then at the end he's like, and if I ever run into Kenny G, I'll be sure to like, I ra- I'll wrap his, gu- I'll wrap my guitar around his head or something like that. I'm just like, all right, oh, bro, weird. like, come on, man. Like we're all musicians here. Like calm down. Um, but the reason he had that idea to do that thing with, uh, Louis Armstrong was, um, Natalie Cole did a version of, uh, one of her father's songs with him singing in the background and they duetted with Nat King Cole. They duetted together and that's kind of where he got the idea. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a totally original idea and, but he was, it was more of a tribute, you know, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, exactly. And he does still perform it at shows and everything. So I don't know. I'm kind of like, fuck Pat Metheny. I mean, I, oh, I fuck have Pat Metheny for that big time. I hate yeah. hearing that. Yeah. It's just like, don't bring violence into the mix, dude. Like that's not, you know, this, this is just music, man. And like, we're all getting paid, like relax. So, um, anyways, I thought it was fucking fascinating. He's a super nice guy. I, I really want to meet him. I just want to hang out with the guy and talk music. I mean, if, if you don't watch this and think he's like so charming, I, I had a smile on my face the whole time. I was super happy. One last thing I really liked that, uh, that he does in his shows now, he said he just started doing this recently. He takes, um, classic fifties and sixties jazz, like standards, like, you know, Coltrane and Stan Getz and stuff like that. And he kind of, he's very like charming on stage. He talks to the crowd and he's like, all right guys, like what we're going to do now is this thing I call sax education. And, uh, he, he talks about these artists and then, you know, pays tribute to them and then plays their songs. So he learns these standards and he plays them note for note. 
and you know with his band with his current modern amazing so that's kind of cool he's actually educating people who may not have known about you know classic jazz which i'm really into and i know you're into and yeah um, carrying the torch yeah exactly and it's kind of like it's like so you can't shit on the guy it's not like he's just like oh you know he obviously takes um all this you know recognition from these guys you know um from these old these old things he learned in in school and everything and and his uh his fucking nice guy man i just want to this is a sweet, genuine guy. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I'm I'm defending Kenny G. I might not go buy a record anytime soon, but I'm going to defend right. him. And if anybody gives me a free ticket, I would absolutely go see Kenny G because I'm sure they're not cheap tickets either. But, well, uh, my friend, I, I am with you. I definitely go to bat. Defend. I, that is a hill. That is a sexy jazz hill that I will die on that I will defend Kenny G as well. Yeah, man. Because as I sort of alluded to, I also I have a, I have a Kenny G story. Yeah, I want to hear this. And, uh, and I, and, and it, and it definitely resonated with me when you said the whole, like, he has to play sax everywhere sort of thing, because yeah. my interaction with him was, I got, I got to see him play a little sax. Uh, and Where? It, it, it was, so, uh, this was my, actually my first ever Nam show that I went to, I had a media pass. And so this was, and this was probably like, I don't know, uh, 10, 10 plus years ago. Okay. And, uh. We're there, and so I had to go to this. I went. I, I didn't even know what it was. I was just like getting sort of dragged along. I, when I worked, I was working with GearWire.com. Oh sure. And uh, and we we're going to this thing, and I didn't really know what it was. And then we we're so I was just in this like I got brought to in the convention center, but like brought to this tiny little room. There were probably like I don't even know twenty five thirty all just like media people there with media credentials. And then they were like, "Here's Kenny G." And then he just like talked for a couple minutes and then mm-hmm. played for us all in like this, just like this small room. He played a, he played a sax solo for like wow. ten, five to 10 minutes. Yeah. And then, and then sort of left. And it was like, you said it. it's like, and he, and you know, I get to like, I didn't, I wouldn't say that I met him. I like shook his hand, you know, I like said hi to Kenny G, but I, I don't know, like we didn't like have a conversation or yeah. anything, but he seemed like the nicest guy ever. And it, but it was this sort of thing where it's like, oh wow, this is just like this incredibly famous person. Why is, why, why does he, why did he just have to play sax at us for like 30 minutes or for yeah. like 10 minutes and then leave? It almost seemed like you would have rather just heard him talk or something like that for those 30 minutes maybe or something like. And like nobody else who has as much fame and money as him would have had to have d- done that. But I think yes. it's to your point that like, he's almost this punchline that like he has to he just like has to be a nice guy which is a strange position to be in. but he was it seemed like you know it seemed like he was he was just like a genuinely good small little little guy very very sort of petite man he keeps in really good shape man they showed him um obviously it's a current thing but then they i guess he got big on instagram now like so here the kind of fun thing about him is he knows the joke like he understands that like he's kind of tongue-in-cheek he's he was lame before but now he's kind of you know he's kind of like fun and cool again he's recorded with kanye west um, which I didn't oh, know. Shit. Yeah, I guess there's a song called Jesus is King. And he so he made friends with Kanye because somebody reached out to him and said, um, Kanye wants to hire you to stand in this room surrounded by roses and play for Kim when they were still married, I guess. And um, play for us like while we, you know, have dinner or whatever. So he hired him to do that. And then Kanye, he's like, Kanye was cool. He brought me down to his studio. We're listening to some of his new tracks. And then Kenny said he heard a song that he was playing and he goes, he goes, stop. He goes, I could play the sax on that part if you want. No so way. Kanye sent him home with the backing tracks. He recorded it and sent him the track, and that's the part that ended up on the record. And I think that's, that's so amazing. fucking cool, man. I mean, what a cool collaboration, you know? And um, and so it's it's this thing where he's kind of become like 
so likable again. And they showed some clips of like Saturday Night Live making fun of him in the 90s and stuff. And like, you just, you kind of feel bad. You're like, man, he didn't, he never hurt anybody. He's not political. He's all like, dude, music is just music. It just brings us together. Like, he's such a positive guy. So, you know, I'm glad they made this doc about him. And I'm really glad, like, I hope more people see it because, uh, I, I never really cared that much. My Like I said, my mom had a couple of his records, and I know she you know, liked listening to him, and I would be like, ugh, it reminds me of sitting in a dentist's office or something like that, you know? Um, but uh, he's, a, he's a person, man. He's a really nice person, so... He's yeah. a person. There's always a person behind the sex. Solo. There is. There is. And so. and truly one of the great names of all time, I've got to say. And just to like to it's it's interesting the how the times have changed. I feel like if you were to come out now as a Gorlick, people would be like, Yeah, that's a fucking dope name. But he yeah. uh, when he came out, he was like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm shortening that just to the letter G, folks. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, so and give he's it to us. Better. What do you got? Oh yeah, give us, so, give us your give us your totally arbitrary ranking. I'll be honest, man, just maybe it's the mood I've been in this week and it's kind of been a weird week, but it, it put a smile on my face, and right now, if mm-hmm. anyone puts a smile on my face like I've got on my face right now, that's getting a nine and a half out of ten longest oh! sax notes in the world. Yep. And wow, I don't even know dude. if he played the longest sax note in the world, but I think he did at some point. I think he did. He definitely, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he definitely held that record, at least he held the note of that record at one point. Yeah, and, and I would say, I would, I'll definitely recommend it to you, Hank. I think you'll love the movie as a, as a doc. I think you'll love him as a character. The music gets a little... You know, I mean, I can handle some smooth jazz because it's always got good bass and stuff in it. So I'm like, I'm always listening for other things. But uh, oh, there's gonna be some funky bass slapping. Give it a watch. Give it a watch. Um, But you you might get annoyed with just like the, you know, just the overall tone of some of the music that's like throughout the entire thing. It's like, I know, you know, I don't know if that's your jam. I mean, you're you're a true musician, but. Dude, I, I, you know what though? Listen, I I've been on a big old docs. I mean, I have for my whole life been on a big docs kick. Yeah. But I I didn't even tell you this. I've started. I just I I went through. I decided to through a conversation I was having. I was like, you know what? I don't know what my like favorite documentaries of all time are. Okay. So I've been making this master list of like just by by category my favorite documentaries. So I yeah I'm tr- I've, I've been going through all That's the different good services. Watching stuff, make writing them down. So, and just in my notes on my phone, I've I've been keeping keeping tabs of the past like week or so, trying to go through that. So I, the point in it, point is, I'm down to watch the docs. Oh yeah, book. man, watch it. I I think you know I think it's just a great it's just a great story. And like I said, he's just he's such a great guy. So, um, yeah, I'm vouching for Kenny G. Dude, love it. Thank you so much for doing yeah, that man, even during course, your dude. your hospice. No, day. it felt good to uh, actually talk for more than like two minutes at a time so it's good so speaking of i'm gonna say that you know i know we've been going for a little bit i know that energies are low and things we're not gonna we're not gonna push future gear too far today yeah let's get into uh, something there's a couple I, a couple things i want to get into a little bit and this is actually based on well things going on that i'm working on right now but also a question that you asked for me and even said like hey maybe we should talk about this in the podcast okay so then i was like all right let's talk about it on the podcast so uh, and that is, you know, we talked about, we, we talk a lot about things that we buy, things that we sell. And you're like, I think it'd be interesting if we talked about maybe something you wish that you hadn't sold, yeah. which is, is, is a common sort of conversation. Yeah. We can get into that, but then also some things that you sold and you don't miss at all. Yeah. And, uh, by asking me that question that inspired me to go through my, my freaking, obscenely (laughs) comprehensive master gearless document and have a little bit of a uh, have a little bit of a a trip down memory lane but real quick before we get to that i was kind of thinking about because i'm also going through selling off uh, another large collection that isn't gear right now Mm -hmm. 
and I haven't told you, I don't think I've told you much about this, but I just kind of wanted to quickly mention some of my thoughts that I've been having on this and that I folks, uh, and I think I've talked about it in, in other episodes in the past, but I, uh, I happen to be a bit of a Lego freak. Mm. I, um, my collection has gotten overwhelming to the point that it's it kind of feels like a stress to me. So I've decided, uh, as a few months ago, to sell off the vast majority of it, mm-hmm. and that has been, let me tell you, Dave, a tedious process. And it got <laughs> me to, and I, and it, and it got me kind of thinking about the differences between selling off things in a gear collection versus selling off things in other types of collections and it honestly made me very thankful that i love guitars and gear so much because selling and and kind of like preparing doing going through the process of selling guitars and and trading guitars and doing that kind of stuff is way easier than doing it with lego oh okay yeah yeah and and i am aware that you are uh in the current process of selling some Lego stuff. Yes. But, but yeah, tell me more introspectively about how that's been going and, and, and what you found. Well, yeah. So the basically, first of all, there are, there are some similarities. Like there are tons of online resources. Although I will say that in general, the Lego online resources, mostly because they're to, to call something vintage. They're just, it hasn't existed for as long as like gear and stuff. There's just, there's a lot more sort of up to date factual fact-based evidence versus the vintage market where it's like people making a bunch of conjecture you know what mm-hmm. i mean okay uh, so there are there are like a lot of resources a lot of data documentation that you can find online i do i do also have a lego spreadsheet big fucking shocker for everybody oh, yeah. listening but i will say that the way that i sort of implement that spreadsheet is different the thing the types of information the things that i keep track of it's it's much more more um I have to I have to be much more detail oriented with the Lego stuff okay. because there's like you know the different comp- like as as you know I save the boxes so yep. one of the big things with Lego is saving all the boxes and that does make it and more so, valuable right I mean people way want more the boxes, valuable yeah. dude people want the boxes even if you don't have the parts inside them you can still sell Whoa. them so yeah because if you have the box and the instructions you can just get the parts and then oh, as right. far as anybody's concerned you have the kit right See, i was unaware that you could buy just like tiny little lego pieces like i thought you had to buy kits and stuff totally yeah you can you can buy them directly from lego you can buy them from you know shady third market sources there eBay are and d- shit. many yeah. different places exactly or yeah go through the process of just buying a big lot of a huge oh, amount man. of parts and then yeah. sorting through them yourself which people do wow um, and that's and i will say that in terms of the stress level between buying and selling this type of stuff that it, that is what leads to the much higher stress for me is that when you're we we're talking about a lego kit that has like two thousand parts it's almost impossible to know that all the it's 100 percent complete when you sell it right like you i can't say even though i'm the only person that built it and then disassembled it like pieces break off fall off you're gonna you're gonna lose little parts from time to time so then mm-hmm. it, it, that's that creates stress for me because i don't want to i don't want to tell someone that something's complete and then have it not be and then they're gonna be like i want my money back you know what i mean yeah right and they do and, and to the back to the box thing they do take up a lot of space like if you're gonna if you're gonna keep not only if you're going to keep the boxes, but then once you build the sets, like they just take up a lot of space. So compared to a guitar, like I, I don't have like I've got. Yeah, say it, whatever. I've got like 20 guitars, but they're sitting on free uh, like a boat, like a couple boats of stands. So like they can kind of be be stored in a way or you throw them in their case where they live. Like it's with Lego, you kind of got to leave them out and have a lot of space to have that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
So anyways, I, the markets are crazy for both of them. I don't have a lot to say about it, but I did want to kind of touch on the fact that there. I did notice that there are some sort of similarities and, and major differences in the things that we collect. And before we leave that really fast, I do want to ask you, Dave, are there other things that do you... Do you collect things other than the gears? <laughs> do, do, do you have any other collections? Dude, that's so funny, man. I've never really thought about it, so I guess that means I don't. Um, no. I'm kind of looking around. <laughs> no, I no, it's really... Records, I guess. Oh, yeah. I guess we do have a nice record collection, yeah. But other than that, yeah, I don't really have that many video games. Um, I don't... You know, musical instruments, I guess I could say I collect, but I like to use everything that I own for the most part. Exactly. Um, and then records. Yeah, I think records for sure we collect. Anytime I go to a, you know, thrift store or go out of town, I always want to go to a record store or something. And uh, absolutely, that's a good call. And thank you for reminding me that because my records are tucked away right now and I can't see them. So, um, yes, thank you. Just like you've been tucked away in little blankets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay feeling COVID good right den. now. So before we go, I wanted to talk about the thing that you said that we should talk about because I think it's a good idea. And that yeah. is this something you wish you hadn't sold or something you, you sold. So yeah. um, I, did you did you want to start that? Did you have something top of mind that you felt like that there's there's something you wish you hadn't sold that you think about sometimes? Yeah, I'll go. I'll do the I'll do the hadn't sold first because I think um, and then we'll both do hadn't sold and then we'll do what we what we don't really care that we sold. I think okay, because, yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to I'll try to keep it quick. But I, I do have I, I <laughs> As as always, let me guess. I don't you have don't just have one just thing. one thing. <laughs> I've got a bunch of things. Uh, that was the and, whole and point. You got All right, I'll let I, you cheat again. Well, I w- dude, I went down the. You made me go down memory lane, and then I was I like, "Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting." So I'll try to keep it brief. But well, I'm warning. I'm just pre warning. I will say this. I will say this. I. So I'm looking at my spreadsheet from when I was like pretty hardcore uh, yeah. selling guitar. I couldn't think of anything in my youth or my early playing days that I sold that I wish I hadn't because I'm very happy with all the gear that I have now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, I mean, actually, I would say it would probably be my Ampeg V4B, but that is at my practice space and I can use it whenever I want because I sold it to a friend. Exactly. So that doesn't count. Um, so or the I, freaking P-Bass sitting in my book guitar boat right now. That yeah, you sold yeah, me. that's actually up there too, man, for sure. Um I do miss that thing, but I, you know, then I'll just go play my own and it's fine. But like yep. the, uh, I have to say, so I'm looking through my list and the, the one thing I've noticed is, we, and we always talk about it, pretty much everything on this list as I'm looking at prices for what I paid and prices for what I sold, dude, there's stuff on here. I, I would tell you what I paid and you wouldn't even believe me, um, for how much things cost now. So obviously exactly. the list would be everything. I wish I would have waited, you know, two or three years to sell. That's a really good point, dude. Yeah, dude. It's crazy. Like I paid seven fifty for a pawn shop base. Uh, for the Fender Base Six, and back then I sold it for like almost a thousand, and now they're like people are asking two thousand bucks for those things. So that's just an example I, of that. I, yeah, that but, was that. I hadn't even really thought of that as a as a global point, but you're right. As I was going through my list, I noticed the same thing. I was yeah. like, man, I like all, all. They were all good deals to me at the yeah. time, but in context of where things are now, most of the stuff that I've sold has been like, oh my god, I could have yeah. gotten way more for that I know. right now. So all that aside, something that maybe you would have kept and you would have played or used is kind of where yes. I was going with that. Yeah. Um, definitely, I'm thinking that. That 65 Jaguar that I scored for a really good deal. All um, right. It was all strip finish. The headstock was stripped, but somebody wrote Jaguar in with, with marker or paint. It's It looked like dog shit. But other than that, it had never been taken apart. I think they didn't even take the pickguard off when they stripped it because when you lift it, there's still the original sunburst and all the wiring was intact. So that thing had like somebody just decided to strip the body with everything all just assembled basically at that point. So that mm. really was a as close as you get to a perfect refin project 
um, as it gets. And I think if I would have kept it, I would have definitely loved to to refinish that thing in like a any color I wanted with with the headstock because it needed a new headstock uh, paint anyways. So that would have just been fucking perfect. Um, so yeah, I have Man, to say yeah. the '65 Jaguar. Plus, it would have been cool to have a short scale single coil. Um, exactly just laying around the house you know to, to record with and stuff dude and so. if you're gonna get a, if you're gonna get an old jaguar there are a yeah. couple of years that you want and 65 is 65 one of those yeah and it was a pre-c it had the it had the clay dots and everything so that was that was a really really cool um one but that that's kind of the one on my list Dang. and i i won't bore the listeners with everything else that i probably w- would have kept but that was probably the the top of the mountain right there so yeah i want you to I feel that let me know what you think there what do you got no, I love it. That was that was a good that was a good story. I think uh, I am looking at my th- I'm looking at my list right now, and I'm realizing a couple things about it. There are a handful of things on here that most of it is nostalgia based for me because the only yeah. there's only one sort of like newer thing on here, so it's mostly stuff that uh, I got rid of when I was younger and and because I like to have the first of things that I've, that I had, like I have my first guitars and stuff. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have still had my first amp, which I don't have mm-hmm. because I, I've told the story probably 12 times on this freaking show, but I left my, I left my radio shack, uh, oh, MPS yeah. 31 amp behind at my first ever jam session because I was sort of embarrassed by it. And then just like left it there saying, saying I would get it later and then never did. Cause I got a different amp. Yeah. I would still like to have that as well as my, I think it was my second pedal uh, I sold, which I would never use in a million years. But I had the Dan Electro Cool Cat, which in that like big metal uh, oh, housing. Oh yeah, are those valuable now? A little bit, but n- not really. Uh, certainly worth more than what I sold it for because yeah. I I don't like I I mean everyone knows I don't like the sound of chorus pedals. I got it because I thought it would <laughs> sound like nothing else matters by Metallica. Uh, sure. Sp- Nailed it, <laughs> listener. It did not. And then I also at the my my best friend at the time had the Dan Echo in that same big metal heavy cool. enclosure. Which, by the way, if you want to murder people with pedals, those are good contenders because those were super heavy. Oh yeah, it's like a but brick. that pedal actually was very good, and I sold it at some point when I was a youngster. Wish I still had that, mm-hmm. as well as actually most of the stuff is pedals. Honestly, I had a '90s fuzz face that I sold because I didn't know how to use it yet, and I was like, "This isn't. This doesn't sound cool." Oh wow! And then it was just because like I didn't really realize the right way to use a fuzz face sure uh and then i'll just finish the pedals i had my actually the coolest pedal on here i think i had a zvex fuzz probe mm-hmm. which for those who don't know the there's the zvex fuzz factory and this is back from when they didn't even have the, like overseas versions it was only the hand-painted american-made ones they made one called the fuzz probe where instead of just being a normal pedal with five knobs it had this big square metal plate that the the metal plate was a theremin sensor that you controlled with your foot and that oh, sensor controlled one of the knobs so you could do fucking crazy wow. stuff with that pedal like dude. while you were soloing you could just wave your foot in front of it or something over the top you kind of like put your socked you didn't didn't really work well with rubber base shoes like <laughs> okay. you had to put your sock on it okay but like you almost it's not by pressure it was by proximity but like you had to get kind of close to it and like yeah. and touching it would That's do cool still stuff funky, it would man. do fucking gnarly stuff dude it was much bigger so it took up a lot of space and i was able to actually trade it for a whole other thing which i'm going to talk about okay but um in hindsight of all of these things like that was the coolest and i wish i still had it and now are super valuable i even had the special power plate because they didn't you normally had to use batteries with it um i i traded it for something that i'm going to get into in the something you sold and don't miss it all so for, i'm not going to spoil that yet wait so let me because uh, I, I just thought of an interesting follow-up question yeah. to kind of this segment what 
was there anything you would just consider buying again just to be nostalgic? Because I've done this once with uh, with that red P bass because that was my first bass. And then I sold it to get, you know, a different bass when I was like in college. And then I bought one again and then I traded it to Mark for a bike. So and then I'm fine right, with like not having yeah. it. But I, I did own it twice. Not the same one, obviously, but the same exact And model. that bass wound up getting traded to, uh, oh, no, that's right. That was a Thunderbird. I think he still has that bass. Yeah, I think actually. he does. But so do you, is there anything in your list of things you wish you uh, hadn't sold that you would just buy again, even if they're a little more expensive, just to kind of have? Or, or do you think it just wouldn't be the same? Dude, great question. So I have two answers for you, yes and no, uh, because there are two things left. I, I would never buy a Fuzz Probe again because for the price, but they're fucking dope. There are there are two things left on this list that one I would buy um, for for nostalgic reasons, and one I would buy because I just wish I still had it uh, mm-hmm. because it's a fucking dope pedal. So I'll finish. I'll go with the dope pedal. I recent not that recently, maybe like a couple years ago, sold my Moog Mogerfoger Ring Mod pedal mf102 and that thing just sounds so freaking good and i've never heard another ring mod do what that pedal does that i kind of wish i still had it and you know even though i sold it for more than i paid for it it's now worth even more than it was (laughs) of course that's how it goes uh, i would i would i would buy another one of those now to answer the other half of that question uh and with my final thing that i sold that i wish i hadn't and that is my first really good guitar i had which was a 90s i got it in the 90s epiphone les paul custom yeah alpine white you know and that was that was a very good guitar you know whatever epiphone gibson bias we all have i know that's a made in korea right too that would have been that would have been korean at the time that's right yeah and um you know, the thing is, though, Dave, and, and the reason that I wouldn't buy it back is because I would only want one if it was literally the exact one that I had that I sold, yeah. you know? And that's like, that I, would I wouldn't impossible. want just like another one. Yeah, yeah. that would be impossible for me to figure out at this point. So I don't think I would ever do it. But yeah. of, of this list, the Moog Ring Mod MF-102, even though they've gotten stupid expensive, um, I would buy that one back. Okay, cool. That's what I was looking for. Now, Dave, question for you. Yo. What is something that you sold... And you don't miss it at all. <laughs> well, this one's kind of cool. And this says like, a, I, I, the more I think about it, I actually am even happier with, with the choice that I made. Um, I had not one of my first, I guess you could say real bases was an Ibanez GSR 200, I think, or something. But it's an active okay. electron. Uh, no, that's, I'm sorry. I put active electronics in it. I put EMGs in it. And I covered it in stickers. It was like a purple color. I think I've probably showed you photos of it before. Yep. Um, and I played it all through my jam band days and in early college, just really, you know, just played the hell out of it. Even like the stickers got all kind of worn off and everything. And, and I ended up just keeping it under, you know, under a bed. I think what happened was, um, I started like taking the stickers off and it like, it just started looking like shit. And I think the electronics weren't really working and all this stuff. And I ended up giving it away and why I'm, All right. why, why I'm not sad about that. And I just remembered who I gave it away to. I thought this is such a cool story. I put it up for free, I think on Craigslist or something. Cause I was like, I was playing fenders at that point. I knew I wasn't going to play it. Um, even mm-hmm. though it had sentimental value, it was taking up space. And that's actually what brought me to think of this whole thing because I saw that guitar on reverb and I was like, Oh really? Would I buy that again? And I was like, no. Nah. And that's what made me think of this whole, this whole conversation. But I gave it away to uh, uh, a gentleman picked it up who said that he worked at a school and they had a music program and they were going to fix it up and some kid was going to play that thing. And I was like, 
that is so fucking cool. That is and, super cool. You know, and he was even trying to offer me like 40 bucks for it or something. I was like, dude, just take it, man. Like I was literally going to just like throw it away or hang it on a wall or something. And like, I don't care. But I didn't know that was his intention. Like that he was, he was just like, Hey, I'll scoop it up. You know, he was the first person to respond. And then it turned out that he was like, Oh yeah, we're going to like give it to these kids. I love that. Some sort of musical like play program or something like that. But it, it was going to go to kids. And I was like, that's so fucking cool. So hopefully some kids play in that today. And hopefully they put the passive electronics back in it. I don't really know what happened with that. Cause she was buzzing real bad. I remember it had some bad wiring in there, but um, yeah, yeah. You don't want to have to tell kids like, Oh yeah, by the way, in order to play this instrument, you got to have two nine volt batteries in there. Yeah, all the dude. I remember we, we, I had like my buddy Paul wired up and like, we were high, like we didn't know what we were doing, you know, and I remember I never quite got it to like do what I wanted it to. And that's when I just moved on from it. But, but it was, they were going to fix it up. The school was going to pay to get it fixed up and all that. So I thought that was so cool. Love that. Cause I yeah, was going to throw that's it away. A great story, so, and I, yeah, actually just forgot that until just now that's, but that's the one I, I don't miss it. Not just because of that, but I, I don't think I'll ever go back to the Ibanez thing. They kind of just aren't my style anymore. That's know? not your bag anymore. Yeah. What about yourself, sir? Oh well, Dave. You know I've got to, I've got to, I've got to break the rules and say. There's got to be a few answers out there. Um, but first of all, I want to say generally, it was a very fun exercise to go through. So thank you for inspiring us to do this. Cool. And I highly recommend anyone out there who has their own gear list uh, to go through it because it's a fun little trip down memory lane to be like, oh yeah, that freaking weirdo that I talked to. <laughs> but also, if you're not doing it, maybe now's the time to start. That could be your New Year's resolution. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that I felt was that most of it. And there's a lot of things that I have sold, Dave. There are a lot of things. Uh, most of it I don't miss at all. So that actually felt really nice to learn that. Like, oh, I, I don't, I feel good about most of the things, like the vast majority of things Me that too. I've sold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great feeling. So there were some things that I wanted to highlight that I don't miss at all. Um, let me just start by saying any of my strats. Any strat that I've ever had, and there aren't a number. Yeah, don't miss any of any of them even wow. slightly. So I feel I feel pretty good about that. Well, then I, I don't feel say. bad about sending you strats like ever because I if you've noticed I like almost never send you strats. No. So, uh, yeah. Okay, that's good to know. You're not a strat yeah. guy. You just know it. But it's just not your thing. I just know it. I've I've had a number of them, including a freaking strat acoustic. Don't miss that at all. <laughs> uh, but I but uh, you know I'm I'm happy that I sold it and someone else got to play it and maybe hopefully enjoy it. Uh, this one sort of might surprise you. Not one, but two Zunes. If you remember Zunes. Zoom pedals? Uh, no, Zune were, uh, oh, Zune. Zunes were like the iPad comp or, uh, iPod competitors made by Microsoft. Oh. Um, I never bought one, but somehow wound up owning two of those oh and have God, sold both of them. Oh, my God. I haven't heard that in years. That's so funny. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there are, uh, I'll say the um, 1970 Les Paul, which I know that is a guitar that you would love. Oh, dude. What color was that? Sunburst? It was Sunburst. Oh. And, you know, first was of it all, a standard? I'll just say it was, it, well, at the time they only made the deluxe, okay. but someone had taken it and turned it into a standard where they opened up the, they routed out the Oh, because the, the deluxe uh, mini has the mini, the mini humbuckers. Yeah, I see that, That's that right. modification really often, actually. That's very it's, common. Yeah, like stand, standardizing or standarding, mm -hmm. whatever people want to say, a deluxe. That's what oh, that one what had done. Cool and they wrote, they wrote Bino in the neck pocket as if it was Eric Clapton's burst, but obviously uh, it was not. Did they, um, uh, was it really heavy, I was going to ask? It was pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah, it was not a. It was not a. It was not a light guitar. If you're chasing those uh, eight pounders, it wasn't no, for you. But it wasn't like thirteen or something like crazy like that. It wasn't like. But the, the I'll say that the re it was a great guitar. I gigged with it. I played a bunch of shows with it. The reason that I 
didn't that I don't miss this one is because of what it got me. And first of all, I know what I paid for it, which was at the time a, a reasonable amount. I at the time I paid eighteen hundred for that guitar. Uh, now it's certainly a nineteen seventy Les Paul selling for oh, a lot God. more than that. Yeah, dude. But I know that it got me something, which is I traded that along with a little bit of cash, uh, be well before I ever worked there to Chicago Music Exchange for my Les Paul Custom. Oh, so I know yeah, that so my favorite guitar yeah. that I have owned and will ever own probably came from a trade of that 1970 Les Paul. It was nice. a great guitar, yeah. but you know I have no reason to miss it because yeah. I, I'm so in love with the one that I have, and it's out there somewhere. It's yes, I, I you know I remember actually trying to see if I could track it down, but they had changed over systems by the time I worked there, so I couldn't actually find whatever happened to my old Les Paul. But that's not the last thing that I want to share. There is one more thing, and that's and I sort of alluded to it, and that's because I talked about the Zvex Fuzz Probe and how I kind of regretted selling it, or what I should say is trading it, and that's because it's what I traded it for, Dave. Okay, I traded that sweet freaking pedal for. The Roland GK3 MIDI pickup and GR20 synthesizer oh, pedal. Baby. Mm. Hell yeah, dude. Those are fun. That wasn't the, that in, ter- in terms of value at the time, I came out ahead. Yeah. In long term, absolutely not. Especially because <laughs> that thing, I just dude, I, I wanted it to work so bad. I wanted to like it. And I spent so much time fiddling with it and putting it on different guitars and trying yep. to get it to do the thing. That's my and experiences could, as well. Yep. Dude, I could never get all six strings to work nope. together at it the same time. Wasn't made that way. I don't think like, it's just not possible. Right. You know, it's, I've, some people said that it works and they still, they, it's the, it's the one that Roland still sells to this day. Yeah. So presumably someone makes it work. I could never get all six strings to where I could get five at a time to work perfectly, but not all six. My guitar player in college had one and, uh, he had it on for about two rehearsals and he's like, fuck this thing. It's not going to work. So I wound up actually trading that, uh, getting rid of that for I in in a deal that I actually came out ahead in this one too because that's just what I do, folks. Uh, for when I do you remember that 1960s K hollow body that I had? Uh, kind of, like yeah. Double cut, weird looking from hollow your old body. Place you had it, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah, totally. Uh, traded that to uh, I traded that Roland GK, and I this is the last thing I'll say about it because I'm just glad that I take notes the way that I do because I tw- <laughs> I, I you traded have the whole, it like to, uh, the whole timeline going and everything like you, you have it all drawn out and everything kind of That's yeah it's like I've got it out across one of those walls like you know with like the red yarn and like all you know Pepe crazy Sylvia. person Pepe style Sylvia. yeah exactly uh, I traded it to a dude that I du- that I dubbed Chatty Paul so this dude must have wanted to really talk a lot if I like in my notes called him Chatty Paul oh I can't God. remember what we talked about but it must have been great that's awesome <laughs> yeah well if Chatty Paul's so, out there I hope he's enjoying it if your name's Chatty Paul out there, I'm yeah. I really apologize uh, if you're hurt by that, but you know, maybe sometimes just uh, get in and get out, folks. Yeah, that's a fun exercise, that, man. I, I like that. That was really fun. I'm thanks for thanks for suggesting that we do that. I I had a good time going down memory lane. And, Me too, and, man. Uh, and you know, it's, it this. is kind of well. And I I saw something recently too because um on Facebook now I'm I'm pretty much only following like music groups. And, you know, like Fender trade, trading and like guitar amps and like, you know, this kind of stuff. And there's mm-hmm. there's been a lot of posts recently of like older guys who are looking for like their 1985 Strat, you know, in Sunburst that they want to know if like anyone has it. And it's like, damn, dude, that's it's 
kind of sad because I'm like, you're going to have a hard time. And, and not that it got stolen. That's really sad when it gets stolen. Obviously, I hope those people find their stuff. But if you if you sold that thing, you know, 30 years ago and you want to find it now, it's like I feel really bad for those guys. You know, yeah, good freaking luck. I know it sucks. It's, so. Maybe it could be. It might be a fun. It might, if you know what, if you need if you need a new adventure in your life, that could be a good one to, to try to go and, and pursue, I suppose. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Well, hey, buddy, this was uh, this was a really good one. I'm I'm glad to hear your voice. I'm sorry you're not feeling good. It's all right. You, you know, this made me feel and... much better, man. I'm I'm probably gonna go crash after this, but this made me feel great yeah. for the for the time that we had together. And um, I appreciate you, man. And I appreciate you love doing it. this with me. So thanks. Yeah, man. I love you. Happy New Year. Me too, buddy. And uh, if you made it this far in the episode, folks, go make some music. <laughs>